My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 673. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because it'll help you to feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And some of the discussion is going to be based on um, a conversation that Kathy and I had as a result of listening to a Glennon Doyle podcast. It's called We Can Do Hard Things is their podcast. And the name of this specific podcast was Why Are There No Pictures? I can't read it all, but I think it says Why Are There No Pictures of Us or of Exc- me. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Um, and we have a few things to get through first, but can you give a general, like, or maybe I should. Um, there was... In, the, in that podcast, there was a woman who called in who said, I have all these pictures of my husband and our kids, and I'm worried that when I die at the <laughs> funeral, there's going to be the four pictures that always gets used because there's no pictures of me, uh, the woman in the family, because she's either behind the camera taking the pictures or she's off doing um, the work of being the CEO of a household or something like that. But you know it wasn't really about the funeral. Completely okay. not about it. Okay, so I just want to make sure you didn't think she really was thinking about that. No, um, that was the beginning. Yeah, that was the, that was what, that was kind of her funny take on basically the experience I'm having right now will be reflected in the fact that there's no pictures of me. Correct. But the experience is what we're going to talk That's about. That's like the on-ramp to a deeper discussion. And you know what's weird, Todd, is because we've been doing this show for a decade, we actually, I, I don't remember which podcast it was, and maybe we can do a little search, but there was a blog post that was written probably eight years ago mm-hmm. about this very thing. So mm. this isn't actually new information, this whole idea of like, I'm not in any of the pictures. Right. You know, so... I think the 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 discussion is very similar to what we were talking about before and now it's just another way of getting at this 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 topic thing. and I also felt I don't know if you did but there was also somebody who called in during that show it was uh, a man who said I, I don't know if you're going to dive into that part but Oh he, yeah that was important. That was important because he basically said I realized that what I have been trained to do is the way I love my wife is I vacuum for her, mm-hmm. as if that's for her, as if, you know what I mean? As if he's not living in the same home and that he could vacuum right. for himself and yeah. everybody else. But that's not the way you love somebody. The right. way you love someone, and that was his question. Now that I understand that doing things that I should be doing myself are not a way to love her, right. what does love look like? And um, I think we've had more than one conversation about this in the last couple of days. We had yeah, we've a had big one. Yeah, we've had a few a couple mornings ago, and then we had one yesterday in the afternoon. So it just kind of keeps this discussion going. So here we go. Here we go. Um, But first, random stuff. First thing is you and I watched the VMAs last night. Yeah. And And we were were kind of old. Yeah. (laughs) I am not sure if things are changing or I am changing. Oh, my God. That statement. It's such an old man statement. Is the world changing or am I? No, I think most old people say the world is different. Okay, so don't you think, though, because when I was in my mid-20s, I remember watching the VMAs and feeling old. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like, okay, wait, I don't know that person because when we were young, like in the 80s, when it was, you know, Madonna and Prince and everybody on the VMAs, we knew everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get a little older and you're like, ooh, I'm not sure I know all these people. Like even the documentary we were watching about Woodstock 99. By the way, that's on – I think it's on Netflix. Netflix And it's about Woodstock 99 and what a cluster it was. Like it was – it just fell apart and became violent and awful. And even those bands, we were like, were we into those bands? Mm -hmm. My point is is that at 51, of course, we're going to be a little like, what? Yeah. And, and our girls were like, come on. Yeah. And we're like, well, it's not that I hadn't heard of a lot of these people. Well, and my take is a lot um, deeper than that, oh, let's which hear I'm going to share in a second. Okay. But first, regarding the pictures, we did a podcast on October 16th, 2012. Wow. So about 10 years ago. Wow. And we're doing it again. And it's called, Do You Lose Yourself in Family Pictures, oh. parentheses, and Todd's Hangover Stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. I'm just laughing because that's just... 
where we were. So first of all, I don't, I have no recollection oh, of what we said in it, but I thought we did one on, and it, this is the synopsis that we, that was the Written. summary of the mm-hmm. podcast. Did you read Allison Tate's blog titled, The Mom Stays in the Picture? Question mark. Yeah. Kathy and Todd discuss why moms step out of photographs and therefore aren't captured in memories. Yeah. Yes, there's the vanity issues, but Kathy thinks there are deeper issues too. That's be, shocking. In, and it, the next word is shocking. <laughs> So I'm sure you wrote this. I'm sure I did. Todd also shares a, a lot of hangover stories. Once upon a time, he was the life of the party, but having kids gave him some perspective. They also discussed the benefits of preschool. Wow. that's The uh, benefits of preschool. preschool. Just so you guys know, we have a daughter in college, a senior in high school, and a freshman in high school. They discussed so. the benefits of preschool, traveling with kids, and why Todd doesn't like marshmallows. <laughs> Ten years later, I still don't like marshmallows. I know. And my favorite Ben and Jerry's uh, ice cream right now is s'mores. Oh, I thought you were going to say Marsha, Marsha, Marshmallow. Well, Marsha, Marsha, Marshmallow isn't around anymore. Uh, I think s'mores took Marsha, Marsha, Marshmallow's place. So we're going to be all over the place. Um, you don't want to talk about Ben and Jerry's? VMAs. Okay. There, and I'm owning my oldness in this statement. Okay. And you tell me if, okay. if you experienced it similarly. Okay. The amount of... As close to explicit sexuality, um, I don't even know what the word is, but just a re- an unbelievable amount, volume and intensity of how sexualized everything is. Not just the women, the guys are out there half naked too. Because I think they had to pull the camera away from that one from Italian the, band. Yeah, from the one guy. So, and <laughs> I asked my daughter, like, are things getting, I don't want to say worse, but more sexualized because I feel like ten years ago it couldn't have got any more sexualized, and she, and I don't know she got mad at me asking the question. Or... I don't agree. I think that it's all relative. I think that there are things that maybe certain areas get heightened. I think there was a, a few things last night that you and I were like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's interesting. Like even the woman from um, Brazil who won the the she, Latina woman yeah. who won the award. You know, she was twerking and, and yeah. dancing in such a way, but her she was wearing a full body suit. Mm-hmm. So every aspect of I mean, I mean, I know it was fairly see through, yeah. but my whole point is is there are like checks and balances. There's like, okay, this is explicit, but this isn't. Mm-hmm. Or you know, like the woman <laughs> we had a funny moment where there was a woman who came out dressed in this gorgeous dress, yeah. and I can't remember who she is. So she was wearing this really beautiful dress, and you guys and you and I were like, oh my gosh, like look, it's like gorgeous, and she's you know her body's covered and then she turned to the side and it was completely like there was nothing Nothing on the side. But I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I'm not pointing my finger saying that's bad. What I'm saying is I think the styles of now are very different from, from us. Um, And then there's, and there's always going to be an act or a few acts that are a little more explicit. Like, you know, I don't know how many years ago Miley Cyrus was breaking out of her Hannah Montana thing and it was a total Mm -hmm. crazy performance. And then as we kept saying last night, you know, Madonna rolled around on the stage in a wedding dress and all this religious stuff and in the 80s. So I don't know if if it's like necessarily progressing in this linear, it's getting worse because I think everything goes in cycles. Well, and I think it is probably me more yeah, than it is. I think so too. What I'm looking at. Me too. Um, I can't be positive just because I would love to see some person who loves like to document stuff, like the amount of what would might be considered sexualized material and the intensity. I do think that it is becoming more prevalent than it was because, like, the Madonna thing was like the big part of the show. Mm-hmm. But and what about Prince? Like, he would do things that. There's so many examples that people did yeah. things. I'm just saying, last night we watched for three hours. Yeah. And well over half of what people were wearing, what they were doing while they were dancing, was really. Um, I don't know what the word is. Well, some of it was explicit. And then I guess the thing is, is because I think this is what you're asking me for, because I'm not trying to deny what you're saying. But like, but then there was that small Dorito stage. Mm-hmm. Remember the Dorito stage? We yeah. kept trying to get the... Yeah. Um, and all of those people were dressed in very typical clothes. Right. And then there were, you know, presenters that were... Remember the one girl had like the that thing over her head? Like, I don't... I think it's like... I think... I, I'm not denying what you saw but I sometimes think we can overreach by saying everything has gotten more sexually explicit when there's some act, 
acts that have not. And then there's some that use that. And then there is, you yeah, know. I'm trying to speak in generalizations and I don't know if I'm right or yeah, not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that if we just, if, if I were to agree with you and say, uh, yes, it has, we just sound really old and we're not, we're, you know. We it's are just, 50, sweeties. We are. Um, but it is interesting because I wasn't as, I mean, except for a few moments where I was like, whoa. Um, it wasn't that as much as like some of the music is so different. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, some of the, a lot of the people singing last night I knew and Red Hot Chili Peppers were on. So I kept saying to Todd, see, this is a sound that's like so familiar to me. Um, and, you know, and, and some other people that I really appreciate, like Eminem and Snoop were on last night. But it's just, you it's know. a younger person's game. And, and I think that there's something I enjoy about, and I know you do too, about watching those things with our girls because we had fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't, I don't want to be the parent that's sitting there watching it being critical of their generation. Mm-hmm. I, I well, think and that, we just got off the heels of watching that Woodstock 99 right. thing. Like, if anybody wants to watch a three-part documentary on Woodstock 99, I barely remember that it happened. And I'm only two-thirds of the way through it, but the way that these men behaved yeah and i was that age yeah these are the people that i was with and i was a part of this culture it's uh, somewhere between embarrassing and shameful yeah it was interesting the way that without you know ruining any of the content because i want everyone to watch it and see for themselves it was an interesting time because 99 was there were all sorts of interesting influences that i think converged you know like one of the things i was saying to todd is that was like the time of girls gone wild where they were in those infomercials of like girls mm-hmm. just acting mm-hmm. you know a certain ways on you know in all these areas where let me say this, women were not creating those videos. Yeah. Men were creating those videos and selling them and watching them, but it was the time of that. It was the time of Fight Club. Mm-hmm. It was the time of um, men starting to feel a little more separate mm-hmm. from culture or dis, uh, not disengaged, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the De- whole Fight Club message is you're not as important as you think you mm-hmm. are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, detachment. Detachment right. and, and, and violence and there was a lot, and it was Clinton and uh, you know what was happening with Monica Lewinsky, like our, the time had like this feel to it and the music did too. I mean, it was like corn and rage, rage against the machine and red hot chili peppers. Well, and, and then they'll cut over to 1969 and it'll be whomever. Peace and love. Peace and love. Yeah. So it was quite a it was interesting. contrast yeah. between. And then what happened was not shocking with all that information in mind. So I am excited about getting the topic, but I read your Zen Parenting Moment this morning, yeah? sweetie, and I thought it was really good. And part of me wants to read it. And I know you're not a fan of it, but okay. it was just really good. Oh, I, I, that's fine. All I right. appreciate so it. So the first quote that you always start with, the quote, Andre Solo, they hear nearly every sound, notice every moment, and process the expression on every person's face. And that means that simply walking through a public space can be an assault on their senses. Andre Solo, whomever Andre Solo is. And the title of this moment is called Feelers. So people who feel. You say, much of my day revolves around differentiating emotions and doing my best to self-regulate. Some of what I experience is mine, my histories, my worries and joys, but it blends in and circulates with the feelings of others. I relate to what I hear, even if I haven't experienced it personally, I over-identify with other people's concerns, even if they have nothing to do with me. Pause. <laughs> Any, you want to say a sentence or two before I read the next paragraph? Um, no. I engage with words like empath, highly sensitive, codependency, enmeshment, boundaries, and discernment. Sometimes they ring true. Other times they don't capture the experience. I'm self-blaming and self-compassionate. I am self-aware and at times clueless. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed by what I feel, but I also recognize and utilize the gifts that come with being able to relate to people. Part of me wants to end this paragraph with, I struggled with this until I learned how to dot, 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 but I still struggle with this. Even with all my experience and tools, feeling is what happens. I don't search for absolute answers or healing anymore. I just appreciate genuine understanding. Pause. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to share there? Uh, No. (laughs) Third paragraph, I share in case anyone feels like they are the family empath, the the carrier of the emotion or the sensitive one, because we can be mischaracterized or perceived as weak. If they only knew how much work we do internally, how we feel every aspect of the world and how strong we really are. We don't choose to feel so much. We were either born this way or learned how to survive through paying close attention. 
Maybe you love someone who feels deeply and relates intensely. Maybe you notice how they carry feelings and require more space and time to recover. Like me, they may experience this as their greatest gift and obstacle, a typical human paradox. To love this person well, get curious about them and honor their sensitivity, no matter our experience, feeling understood by the ones we love lightens the load. Share with a feeler. Yes. Um, and I posted this on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it just helps me continue to, A, understand you and B, appreciate you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was, for anybody who has a feeler in their life, I think that this is a really important blog. Oh, thank you. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I wrote it um, last Tuesday. I think I was having a really hard day and and sometimes I kind of feel like I have to, explain maybe to you or to other people that the when I feel like overpowered or just really um you know like heavy it's not because I'm not doing all the things doing using all my tools and recognizing the gratitude and and you know like sometimes I think I have to and I probably don't like when notice my sentence sometimes I think I have to you haven't told me I've needed to mm-hmm. nobody but I want to make sure there is an explanation of that I know all the things. I know that I need to pay attention. All the things I teach, pay attention to what's working, recognize your own tools. I mean, I'm writing about this all the time, but when you are a feeler, you can't help but experience feeling. I mean, if I were to jump over all of that and just be like, nope, this is how I feel, then not only is that a bypassing for what I'm experiencing, um, but that's not that's not the truth of, of who I am. So I kind of wrote it for myself. <laughs> And I think anybody who identifies with that or anybody who has somebody in their life that identifies with that could be woman, man, uh, any gender. It's not a woman thing. Mm -mm. There's feelers out there and there's women that are more detached from their feelings and men who are huge feelers and vice versa. So it's not a a gender thing. No, it's definitely not a gender thing and it's definitely not an age thing and it's not because I was like this when I was young too. And I think that's the thing is like there's part of me, my boundary or my 50-year-old self needs to say to the world the opposite of what I used to say is I used to think there was a weakness in me that I just need to get over things that why does this bother me? And now I know that I think, and this is, and people can disagree, but this is what I feel. I think I'm doing more internal work than the average person and that it doesn't make me better, but I recognize the strength I have because I see a lot of things, experience a lot of feelings and see a lot of what's going on in the world. And yet I still get up and smile and do the things and and some people don't, they're they're kind of like just going through the world, not experiencing that. And I want to be like, imagine tacking this aspect onto yeah. you. And how would you feel every day that when you passed somebody, you picked up on something they were feeling? Yeah. That's, it's a, um, it's an interesting way to live. And I don't know any other way, but I think I used to see it, as I said, as a deficit. And now I see it as, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So last Thursday. Yes. I was working and you came over and you said, I'm listening to this podcast. I think you might want to listen to it. And the title of it was whatever, the pictures or how come we're not in any pictures. So can you give kind of an overall summary of what the emphasis of this podcast was? And then we'll we'll kind of get into some more the, things between you and I. Sure. Um, well, and I think that's why I brought it to you because interestingly enough, I was only about 15 minutes in when I said, hey, you might want to listen to this. And about 10 minutes later in the podcast, they actually say, have your partner listen to this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's, you know, I I wasn't, the part at the end I wasn't as hyper aware of as the difference between, and it kind of connects a little bit to my blog. Mm-hmm. So this isn't really that different is that, I some the the you know if you think about being in a picture in terms of me recognizing the skill set and the the gifts that you bring to our family like for example I'll, you know the night before I was listening to this podcast it was raining and it just smelled so good outside and so Todd and Skylar went out in the rain and just ran around mm-hmm. and and I I sat on the porch and I was watching and then I got my camera and I was taking a bunch of pictures and I took a video and I sent that to them and I tend to notice 
beautiful moments with Todd, with my kids, with my mom, with my sister. I I think that a lot of and, and this might be very gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend and it's not about because I'm a photographer. It's because I'm recognizing this is a moment. Even like you know about uh, two weeks ago, you know Cameron is a senior. I got her senior pictures taken at high school, and then I made sure that we had my friend who who's a photographer come take her picture because I want her personality to come through her picture. Like sitting in a in a staged place at York High School yeah. is good. She got a good picture, but I want to see her because I want to remember, and that's important to me. And I know everybody else in the family is like, Ugh family pictures, but I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is a moment in time and we are going to capture it. And I've done this through the girls' lives. So pictures is like the the way to recognize. And what they were talking about in the podcast is like when your partner or people in the family don't do that for you, then all of these things that you bring to make the family feel magical or special or like a, you know, like a song, you know, like where you're recognizing all the beauty of your life. Nobody is doing that for you. So nobody takes, nobody takes my picture and says, wow, what you're doing is really beautiful. Just like you running in the rain with sky. My part is more expected, um, kind of looked over. And you in when I look at my phone, there's all these pictures of a lot of the kids and some of you by yourself being funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a bunch of you like you come down dressed certain way and I take a picture of you because that's what I love about you. And I was kind of like, just like you're talking on the podcast, like, I know you see me like I know you love me and you tell me. But like, do you see it, it was a good conversation about like, do you pay attention to moments with mm-hmm. me or is it more just like that's what she does? So <clears throat> there's a few things here. Okay. One is, and I'm probably going to say this three or four more times, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with picture taking. No, the it's picture not taking about pictures. The picture taking is the on-ramp Correct. to what it is that we are talking about. Um, I found myself listening to this podcast, and for any partner that listens to this after being prompted by their partner, I would just share my experience of it. One is I felt myself getting super defensive. Oh, okay. Interesting. Super defensive about me specifically and about men in general. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I need to say is when I get defensive, that means that there's probably some truth in what's being said. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't truth in what was being said, I think I would probably disregard it quicker mm-hmm. or I wouldn't have as much of an emotional um, a reaction to it. And I want to say regarding the pictures... There could be, let's say in this instance, it's husband and wife, mm-hmm. just for example. There could be a husband out there right now that never takes a picture of their wife, but does everything that this picture-taking metaphor shows, which is, do right. you notice me? Yes. It has nothing to do with the pictures. No. Meanwhile, there could be a husband out there uh-huh. that takes a bazillion pictures and still doesn't get it at all. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, I can give you an example. Sure. Uh, I remember, and it was when the girls were younger, so maybe it was five years ago or so, I I said to you, I recognize that whenever we were in Seattle or when your family would come over, you would take a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. And then when my family was over, it's not that you were like avoiding the camera, but you wouldn't take pictures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so I was recognizing that you were like, this is important because this is my family unit. Mm-hmm. And and you love my family, by the way. This is, and again, this is not about love. Yeah. But there was like, I was like, would you mind taking as many pictures of all of us? Now you would probably say, but what do you mean? I have pictures with Max. Mm-hmm. I have pictures. Mm-hmm. With, like, it's not that you never did. Sure. I just noticed a difference, a disparity yeah. where I was like, let's have as many over here as we do over here. Yeah. And you were like, totally. Like you were fine with it. You were kind of like, that's a blind spot because obviously when we're talking about our own bio family, yeah. it's easier to take a bunch of, yeah. Yeah. And so I went into, uh, you know, there's a internal dialogue going on while we we're having this conversation. My first reaction was problem solving, which is, okay, I'll start taking more pictures or why don't you ask for pictures? Like I was really <laughs> yeah. in this reactive place because, and then the other thing is, you know, my strength of being a playmate to my kids running through the rain is a cooler picture. Like when I show up, it's me playing games and doing all these silly things. So my one of my strengths as a husband and a father is to have fun and have levity 
and look like an idiot, which sometimes warrants picture taken. When you show up in your best strength, it's connecting deeply with our daughters when they're having a bad day. It's listening to me when I'm in this reactive place happening a bad day. So like I got into like, well, my... (laughs) My stuff is more picture friendly than picture yours. Picture worthy. Worthy mm-hmm. than because do you really want, and you know, like I said, I'm not asking this question and have you answer because I know the answer is like, do you really want me to take a picture of you listening to Skylar as she talks about how bad of a day she had? Like, that's not really in, you know, that's like me sharing with you my internal dialogue about really not even understanding what it was that you were asking. Because it right, once sure, again, of course. it's not about the pictures. So that's the first thing I wanted to share. But then we started getting into these other examples that have happened to us. And what's good about this podcast is Kathy and I typically don't share stuff that is unresolved, um, you know, between you and I. But I feel like you and I had pretty good conversation about a few different things that happened last week. One is you were having a tough morning and I did my best to hold the space and listen. And then I said something afterwards. And then... uh, No, I got frustrated and you were frustrated that I was frustrated. Right. Well, I think I tried to help by saying something. Okay. And you said, this doesn't help. That's right. Right? That's what I said. Yep. And then I got... And then I said, well, I'm just trying to help or something like that, right? Uh And then you removed yourself because it wasn't... And then I walked away frustrated. It was just kind of a big... We didn't help each other. We weren't helping each other. <laughs> we both got into this reactive place. So I don't I don't know how to like connect the dots between the pictures and the chair. Oh, I remember. My one of the things you said is great. Now this exchange you and I just had, now I have to go help Todd feel better. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't have to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fourth child and I just want to be able to support you in the best way. And obviously I didn't do it that well that morning. And I, I wanted to us to talk about the discernment between repairing a rupture. So you and I had kind of a messy exchange that morning mm-hmm. versus protecting my ego, mm. right? Do you remember us talking uh-huh. about that? Uh, of course. So I think that's an important thing because because one of the things you said is if I don't come back and repair and you don't, you then won't. that's a disconnection. Correct. Which is true, and right. that's one of the reasons I love you because you are willing to say the uncomfortable or maybe not uncomfortable, scary thing to come back to reconnect. And I'm so grateful for you for it. While at the same time, I don't need you, and and maybe there's a mix between these two ideas, mm-hmm. or maybe it's separate. But when I'm my when my fragile ego gets bruised, all I was trying to say is. You don't need to come make my fragile ego feel better. Let me do my work around that. And there's like this gray area between these two ideas of repairing a disconnection and trying to make me feel better because my fragile ego got bruised. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, well, two things. Number one, I think that when you're like, so you know, you're annoyed and you walk away and you're like, just let me deal with that by myself. But the experience we just had wasn't isolated or individual, it was um, relational. Mm -hmm. So you can go figure it out by yourself, but you're eventually going to have to come back and relay it to me because the rupture we had was in our relationship. It wasn't just you by yourself. If you came home frustrated at somebody else and your ego was bruised and you were were like, let me figure this out for myself, Mm -hmm. I would. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, if you're annoyed at somebody else, I'm not like, I need to be involved. Go figure it out on your own. You don't even need to share it with me because that's your experience. But when it involves me, mm-hmm. you you eventually, and the thing is, is historically, you don't come back mm-hmm. and say, you kind of then come back later and you're a little more like removed and you, you're kind of like walking on eggshells trying to like re-engage and I'm, and I just don't do well with that. I'm like, let's just go right to the, just like I tell everybody on the show, go right to the heart of what's happening, Mm -hmm. going around, beating around the bush and trying to re-engage in this, like, let's pretend that didn't happen. I don't think that's what's going on in your head. I think what, what you've told me is what's going on is I'm actually through it. Mm -hmm. And so let's just go on. But see the, it happened between us. Yeah. So if, if I'm through it and you're not, then there's gotta be a, a, 
And I may not be through it. I could be pretending I'm through it and I'm not. Well, and the thing is, is you may be through it, and I'm putting that in air quotes, and I may be through it individually, but we haven't shared with each other that we're through it. Right. So we, it's, it's a relational, it's not an individual rupture. Yeah. It's a relational rupture. And it's a minor one. Like it was, we did move on and we talked about it like two days later. It wasn't like we weren't talking to each other or right. that we were angry. Sure. There was no anger. But the other big part, the reason why I really felt that I had to come back and talk to you was something where I am in life right now is something I'm working on or very cognizant of is that I am, my relationships are are such a way that people like, they're very comfortable with me when I'm having certain moods. Mm-hmm. Um the certain moods are good ones. Yeah. Everybody, I come in and I have gratitude and I'm, I'm using humor and I'm looking on the bright side and I'm taking care of myself and everybody's like, wow, she, you know, this is great. And then if I, people are like, yes, have all your, have all your feelings, you know, and sadness, I think people do okay with me. Mm -hmm. But if I'm annoyed by something, Mm -hmm. it can really throw people off. And let me say this, understandably, because human behavior is reciprocity, right? So if you are talking to someone and you have a frustrated tone, the other person's, you know, mirror neurons turn on and then you're, it's a reciprocity in human behavior. Yeah. Like your annoyed one engages my annoyed annoyed one. one. So then all of a sudden two annoyed ones are talking to each other. So in no way do I expect to go through the world being able to be just frustrated at people and and I should just say to everybody, handle it. Like that's not what I mean. But I think between you and I, what I want is a little bit of space to be able to have a, a voice that says, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And that instead of you telling me how you're doing all the things and you're like, you know, but you don't say this, but there's a like, well, what but I look said at what I'm, I'm doing. Trying to help. I'm trying to help. So forget so don't it. Don't be then. annoyed. And so there is no room for me to really say this in a frustrated way, this isn't helpful. And, and again, I could, so then what I do is I go outside and I say, well, don't be frustrated Mm -hmm. then, which is then me pulling in a part of myself that I've been doing all of my life and just being the good one. Yeah. Shutting that one down. Shutting that one down and just saying, be nice, be kind, be grateful, be, you know, you're lucky. And so I think the conversation was, can, can, can I be frustrated and you know it's not about you personally that we are that you take offense to because some of Todd's you know Achilles or his challenges or he he doesn't want to disappoint anybody and he he kind of walks around the world not wanting to make a mistake mm-hmm. and while I totally respect that and understand that and I know you're working through that that makes it harder on me mm-hmm. because then if I say hey you made a mistake you retreat. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, so I can't say that yeah. because, and, and, and I kept telling you, I don't know how often I, Todd's love language is not words, mm-hmm. it's mine, but I still use so many words like, Todd, you're such a great leader. I love you so much. You were so good at that. You're so good with the girls. I tell him every day something, if not many things about what an amazing human he is. Cause I believe it. I'm not doing it to, you know, I'm not doing it in a manipulative yeah. way. I'm doing it cause I feel it. Yet, if I have something where I'm like, but this I'm having a hard time with, then you're like, well, I feel like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happens is, um, and I don't know if I can dovetail this in, but like <clears throat> one of the things we talked about is I sometimes, I don't know what the word is, jealous, envious, that when the girls struggle, my, our daughters struggle, you are the first person in most cases that they want to talk to which makes me feel less than. Right. And one is we talked about this on the Jason Gaddis post a few weeks ago, which is, guys, if you if you haven't created a safe enough space for your kids to come to you with their problems, it's not their problem, it's your problem because right. I, Todd, have not spent enough time creating a safe enough space for my daughters to share vulnerably. And it's probably because I'm too quick to, you know, we did a whole podcast on it. We don't have to regurgitate that you can listen to it uh anyways but um there's there's the a part of me that feels like and i'm getting to the primos locos story okay so oh yeah yeah okay so i know when we were out to dinner yeah was struggling and then i usually one of our kids are struggling i am i'm i am not the lead 
in that discussion. Mm -hmm. I will kind of sprinkle in a little bit, but Kathy's really good at it. So I let her take the lead and hold the space. And I, and I felt like in, we were at a, we were at a restaurant the other day with our, one of our kids who was sharing some struggles. And And this is the same story, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And I felt like I was doing a lot of talking, probably a little too much problem mm-hmm. solving. And then at the end, <laughs> uh, there was some part of what she had done that morning, which annoyed me. And I told her, and you're like, <laughs> you're, I'm guessing you wanted to interrupt me, interrupt me in that moment. Well, I was making a face. So let me, without, you know, talking about the the all the aspects of this. Basically, our daughter was sharing something vulnerable. I knew that she wanted to because she wanted to go to dinner with us. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it was just the three of us. So I knew she wanted to share something. And it wasn't a huge thing, but it was just something that I could tell she needed to yeah. release. So she, so she was talking and I was, you know, keeping the conversation going and Todd was giving a lot of advice. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, well, you can look at it this way or this way. And I was kind of like, kind of like not cringing, but I was like, okay, that's good, but she's just she's just sharing right sure. now. And then at the very end, Todd gave her a a criticism. Yeah. And I so I kind of made a face and I looked at him and then I find I turned over and I said, I don't think now is the right time for that. And I didn't handle it right, but the one thing no, I No, you did handle that well, right. I know, but yeah. when I said when I criticized, oh, yeah, yeah. but I even be, I I preceded my critical comment with I think that you're doing great. Like I said something to kind of bless her up just to kind of like create a safe landing for what I'm about to be critical about. I, you don't remember that. No, I don't. But uh, I did. I mean, I intentionally did, but that's fine. You don't remember it. No. Um, and then I came in with this criticism while my kid is sharing vulnerably and has her heart open. And Kathy, you know, lovingly said, not sure that this is the best time. And I don't even think like my internal thing was, okay, great. I should just be quiet. Mm-hmm. I should stop trying. And you experienced me in that moment, like you actually did. I, I, I actually, thought you held it really well. So my outsides did not match my insides because my insides were frustrated, and I felt like I was getting shut down by you and the kid. And I, I guess I'm glad I had a poker face to show, like, yeah, okay, it's it probably wasn't the best time for me mm-hmm. to share that thing. So. Yeah. And, and, and at that, and you know, you said to me, well, I wasn't feeling that way inside, even though I looked that way outside. And I'm like, that's okay that you weren't feeling that way inside. You don't have to, like Todd can be very literal about, I need to figure out how to feel this and then I'll act a certain way. And sometimes it's the nuance of you can feel a certain way, but know in that moment, Mm -hmm. the way you act is really important for what comes next is we can all have a lot of feelings, but then also choose a path where I'm like, what's best in this moment is this. And I thought you you did great. And I, and it was not, and I don't often do that. I don't often turn to you and say, I don't know if now's the right time, Mm -hmm. but I felt like what I see. And again, this is just my experience with being with people, not just my kid, but when someone is opening up about something and releasing something, what I visualize is like their heart is open. It's a little raw and it's a little wounded. Sometimes it's a little infected and it's a little like stuff is coming out. And if you then bring any tension or yeah. pain to it or criticism, Bad idea. the the heart's open and it's like, it takes that in mm-hmm. instead of a release or, and it's not that you sit there and pump them up, right? but you sit there and you just listen and allow it to kind of, you know, and maybe, and I didn't think the advice you were giving was, was poor at all. I thought that oh, it had a lot of value, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I just felt in that minute, I knew what she was going to experience yeah. from what you were saying. Yeah. And and so the the last part of that though is when I said that, you know, I don't know if now's the right time. And and I think I said it in a grounded way. I wasn't mad. I was just like, I'm not sure. I was kind of trying to like make a face, like, you know. And um and then I thought Todd ma- handled that extremely well. And then I tried to and these are the things, again, this is the emotional labor that a lot of times people don't see. And I don't need a pat on the back for it. It's just the way we manage emotions. And I know a lot of people will listen to this. Then I kind of changed the subject and I said, hey, wait a second. Can you tell dad that story about something that happened the other day? Because um, he didn't hear it yet. And so it kind of like, I see energy is kind of like it like moved it mm-hmm. and then and then reconnected them. And then when we were walking to the car, I'm like, why don't you sit in the front seat and continue telling him that story? And I got in the back seat. And in no way am I 
in that moment, it is. I know it is not my job to do that. Mm-hmm. I know people will say, that's not your job. Let the chips fall where they may. That's almost a codependent kind of mm-hmm. thing to do. But I also felt like I was an aspect of it mm-hmm. because of what I had said to you. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeling like I was kind of like, let's just tone down this whole environment. No one seemed really angry. It was kind of like we were all just kind of waves. Yeah. And it kind of toned itself down. Yeah. And and sometimes I don't need to do that. And I'm aware of it. And sometimes I'm going to. Yeah. And and I don't even need, you know, I told Todd I did that. And he doesn't see that. He doesn't notice that. And that's okay. But there is... It was kind of me taking responsibility for what I had just said and also saying I'm going to not make this a big thing um, and help us all reconnect. It was it was a form of repair. Yeah. You were repairing in the moment. Yes. In you're like literally in time, like so, so, yeah. so, so, you know what I mean? Like, like you're sewing something back together. So I think that you, but I, I really did afterwards give you a compliment and say, I know that when I said that, that probably wasn't easy to hear, but I appreciate the way you handled it. So story number three, got three stories for you this morning, <laughs> was our kid uh, is at school with tonsillitis. Yeah, our college kid. Yeah, yeah it's rough. And <clears throat> she had been having her, we thought she had strep, whatever. So I got on, um, I was traveling for work and I got on our insurance and because she's had such a tough summer of throats and strep and all that, I'm like, let's um, let's find an ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor close to where she will, goes to school. And I tried to um, create a list so that when, if or when we want to contact one of these doctors, that uh, it'll be available. Meanwhile, Kathy from the high, not behind the scenes, she was having conversations with our daughter in real time. Yeah, we had a plan already, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know that because I was traveling for work. So it was kind of like a hodgepodge of like tough variables that we couldn't really create. And I was trying to help and it turned into asking Kathy to do more work <laughs> and, uh, it didn't land that well. And, um, part of it was because I f- felt helpless. I was traveling. I couldn't support you the way I would want to, if I was home, mm-hmm. I couldn't support my daughter cause she's at college. What can I do to support? And, um, we had a conversation about, you know, when some of these things happen, let me take the lead mm-hmm. in it and support me and us through this. And then I said something like, but I thought, <laughs> I thought you didn't want me to let you take the lead. Instead, it's my job to initiate and take the lead. So I was try- trying to take control right. at a time when you already asserted control in how we help our daughter through tonsillitis. And I felt like, well, I thought for sure you wanted me to start initiating and following through, and and I didn't do any of that. I simply created a list on Blue Cross Blue Shield just to get a listing of ENTs. Um, so we, you and I had an interesting conversation about the difference of, because what I've heard through all the emotional labor discussions we've had, all these other teachers we've had, is husbands, don't ask for a list of things that your wife wants you to do and then you just pay attention to the creation of the list Yeah, th- th- that you are involved in the creation rather than the Instead person of just tell me what to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my effort in that morning was, okay, I'm not going to like wait for Kathy to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do something and see what it works. So I want to like keep going with that, but I just want to pause and hear what you have to yeah. say. And, and the thing is, is that we talked about afterwards is there was nothing wrong with that. I think what happened in the moment, first of all, tension was kind of high because I don't like it. Uh, you know, won't be shocking to anybody who's a parent. I don't like it when my kid doesn't feel good and isn't close to home because she's got to manage it by herself and she's an adult and she's completely capable, but you're a mother for the rest of your life and I'm not super comfortable. So I'm kind of trying to manage something that also has some emotional implications. It's not just the logistics of a doctor's appointment. It's about concern and worry. And what, what, you know, and Todd is traveling and he's gone. And and sometimes when Todd is gone, I switch into another gear, which is I'm on my own. um, And I'm going to take care of these things and I'm on. So what Todd brought was not just a list of ENTs. It was a um, a link. To it was a Cross link, but then he... the link didn't work. Right. And then Todd said, "Well, why don't you get in touch with Blue Cross Blue Shield yeah. and get another so link?" So now you have another thing. So to I'm do. like, "Wait a second. First of all, why do we need this right now?" And I think that was what I said: is is I wasn't being like 
flippant, but I said to Todd, why do I need this? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm confused of what you're offering. Right. And you were, you got frustrated. Like, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to give you something. Yeah, my response was, we don't know exactly how bad these tonsils are going to get, and we may not want her to come home. We may not want her to go see somebody right away. Now, you already had a plan, like, if you are going to see a specialist, we're gonna it's going to be here. back here. Yeah. I was a part of that conversation because you had already taken taken charge. So it's like, I think what this conversation, why we're sharing this is, first of all, because we've been through it, we're already all the way through it and had good laughs at the end. You know, we we did a lot of work. And also because there's so much nuance. And I think for somebody who is like you, who is practical and logical, and this isn't always gendered because sometimes the, um, you know, the, the mom is more practical and logical, like if we're talking about, you know, male-female relationship, and the the dad is more, you know, emotional and spiritual. So it doesn't, it's not always gendered. But if you are the logical person in the relationship, um, you can be very like, tell I'm going to do this. It's very stiff and structured of like, I'm going to show up this way. Oh, you told me to pick to, you know, to carry some of my weight. Here's my weight. Look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what I'm doing. And I think in that moment, you're you felt I, I'm feeling like I can't do anything because I'm not home. So I'm going to do a little legwork at home and look this up and get this information and then come into this conversation because the three of us were on a FaceTime mm-hmm. and bring this information to demonstrate that I'm doing my best to show up. Yeah. But what it ended up being was more work and worry for me because I wasn't to that level yet. Mm-hmm. That was like our plan D. So I was like, why... Why are we here and why do I have this and why do I need to call Blue Cross Blue Shield? Like it was all a lot of like, but Todd, because his intention was to be helpful and to show up in a new way, he was offended by my like questioning, but I felt overwhelmed by what he was offering. So we were, can you guys visualize, we were missing each other. Yeah, I was trying to help. It really, if, if you look at it objectively, it really wasn't that helpful in the moment. Like we didn't need an ENT in that moment. So like even the way I approached it, even though my intention was good, it made potentially more work for you and it created more worry for you yes. because you're like, are you are concerned? We, are yeah, we like here are, already? Right. Are we here already? And, um, and what I ended up doing was just making you more worried and giving you more work to do by trying to navigate through Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then I got like, well, fine, I'm not going to help at all. (laughs) Like, you know, like that's my, maybe it's all human beings or maybe it's just Todd, but when somebody's trying to help and then uh, you're like questioning it with, with valid reasons, but it doesn't matter how valid the reasons are. Right. If I'm trying to, if somebody's trying to help somebody and that help gets questioned, I think it's very understandable why somebody might be like, all right, I'm just not going to help at all then. Right. And then that doesn't, that's not good. That's not productive. Um, And I think it's an important, so like one of the things that Kathy's good at is creating the space to connect with myself and our daughters and really tuning into the emotional needs of the family. And because Kathy is so good at it, I always feel like second fiddle or third fiddle and, um, and one of the things that you said is like, this is what I'm really good at, you, Kathy. So let me take the lead. I'm like, but I, th- you know, <laughs> I'm like, I thought you didn't want to just tell me what to do. You want me to like come to the table with ideas and c- get the list together. And then we started talking about the kitty litter for the rabbit, right? <laughs> so the kitty litter for the rabbit is like, that's something you can take the lead on. Because I still have to tell you we're running out of kitty litter right. and what would be helpful, because our rabbit is uh, kitty litter trained, for yeah. what, or what is it called? Litter box trained. Litter box trained. And so, but I always have to say, can you go get more rather than you just paying attention to that we need more? That's a good leadership thing where you're like, that's my thing. And I was trying to take the lead in the wrong thing. And this goes to this podcast with Glenn and Abby. They talked about being an adult versus an act of service through love. Like- Cleaning the toilets, vacuuming the floor, vacuum the floor, the floor. That's not. Let's just pretend I did that, which I don't. I what? don't vacuum the floor. Okay, so I don't clean the toilets. Right. I clean the kitchen. I make lunches. I do a lot of things, but I don't do those things. But that is not an act of service. Putting a deposit into Kathy's love account. That is me being a part of this household. Right. You're right. not doing me... And this goes back to... Talk about a decade ago. Right. You are not doing me a favor, favor 
by doing something around the house or being with the kids, that is what you do as an adult in the home. And we still have, even in 2022, everybody, we still have this understanding, this feeling that if it has something to do with the house or something to do with the kids, that you are somehow doing your partner a favor, whichever ways this goes gendered wise. And the best example is when dads say that they're babysitting their kids. A hundred percent, which is so outdated and crazy. Um, But you are, that's your children. This is what you do. And especially in a home where, um, you know, it, it's, gosh, this gets so nuanced. It's such an interesting discussion for Todd and I, and it's like never ending because, you know, back up a little bit to what I was saying about, let me take the lead. And then Todd's like, but I thought you wanted me to do it. Todd is good at a lot of things and he likes to be a leader and he likes to develop things and he likes to, you know, be in charge and he likes people to come to him and he likes to be the man, you know, and I'm giving you a compliment. These are skills that you have and you've had them your whole life. I also have skills, similar skills, some of them. And some of those skills I've had to put on the back burner Mm -hmm. because of the way our family is set up and that I ended up staying home. I changed my career path. I did a lot of altering. Mm -hmm. And I did very little. And you did less, if not, you know, so I did a lot of altering and these were choices you and I made together. Well, and sorry to interrupt, but three days after our kid was born, I went back to work and everything was kind of the same. Three days after... Our kid was born for you. Your whole world turned yeah, upside was, down. Which is what my first two books were about, which is where am I and who am I? Yeah. You know, talk about the self-aware parent. I'm like, what's going on? Because I was, I had even achieved and, and I had even gone to graduate school and gotten my master's degree and gotten my office and was achieving in a way that I was like, I'm going to go up this ladder. And that is not what I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm saying that because sometimes I look at Todd and he's like, I want to, I'm jealous or I'm envious because you have this and I want this. And I'm like, you don't have to be the leader in everything. Like I can lead in this area and you don't have to be as good as me and you don't have to try to be as good as me. And we don't have, because Todd and I, our lives have converged in such interesting ways where the things that I have always, have been my natural innate skill sets Todd has gravitated towards, which I've been very like supportive of and and I love it. And it's why we can do Zen parenting and it's why he we have amazing conversations. But I'm always like, it's okay that I'm the leader mm-hmm. here. You don't have to in this aspect. In this aspect, because you're the leader in A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's and I know that. But in this area of Zen parenting and in writing or in you know, emotional awareness or agility or just, you know, an EQ, it's okay that I'm at times better at it than you. You don't need to then figure out how to be as good. Right. And I think that that's, and I kept giving him examples. Like I, I was filling out this trust thing for my mom and, and I was doing it on my own. And then I came to Todd and said, I need some answers here because I know you have more information about this than I do. I look to you for Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I look to you for a lot of things. Mm And it's okay if you look to me. Yeah. It's okay if I lead. Yeah. And you don't have to feel envious of that. And I don't think you do. I think this is nuanced. I don't think I think oh, you Oh, can... I get jealous. Let's not let's not kid a kidder. When I, my kids get home and they say, Where's mom? It makes me feel less than. Right. That's the truth. Now I know once again, that's my work to do. Um, but yeah, I it's I there's a part of my personality. It, that needs to be the best at everything. Right. There, That's, I, I yeah. was at a father-daughter weekend this weekend. There is a talent show. Now, we did not enter <laughs> it, but I wanted to enter it because and you win. I want to be in it. Right. I want to be the center of the attention. There's, there's an egoic part of me that always wants to be. And through a little bit of curiosity, I'm like, wait a second. I'm not necessarily that talented <laughs> at singing and dancing. Some of the things that usually attach themselves to talent shows. I'm I'm good at a lot of things, but a talent show is not my wheelhouse. Play a game of basketball. All right, maybe I can do some things. So it's 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 an example of me getting curious over why do I always have to be, try to be the best at everything at the expense of somebody else. And I do that in this family sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like... I want to be the one that they say, where's dad? And the thing is, is as I said to you, I said, listen, all those things I just said before about I, you know, maybe my career went, you know, more on the back burner than before. And I gave up a lot of things to be home and to do these things. And you want 
the perks of that mm-hmm. when I'm the one who was home all the time sure. and, and made choices that sure. were different and didn't travel. And you're like, well, I understand you did all day, but but I want all the perks of them coming to me. And it's like, that's a relate. And they and the thing is, is what's so funny, everybody listening, Todd has an amazing relationship with the girls. There's mm. no, there's nothing lacking. It just isn't as, um, the my experience with them is they know where to go when they're having a lot of issues, challenges, or even sometimes joys. Mm-hmm. They know that we have a, I have a certain relationship with them and you do too, but you want yours and mine. Yes. And I think it's kind of like, let me, and this is kind of the, we've discussed this our whole lives as far as work is I there's some, you know, we talk about gender norms and stereotypes too. There's some collective unconsciousness here too of like, not like as a woman in my home, I would like to be seen for my leadership because there are places that I really excel. And instead of having to constantly share it with you and making you feel good about it, can you just be like, she leads in this area. I have a skill set and education that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And and you have an education and skill set I don't have, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the last one before okay. we close the show. Okay. This was also from the podcast. There's a piece where they were talking about emotional labor, and it was, I don't remember exactly how they framed it, but I think uh, Amanda, who is Glennon's sister, said something to the effect of, let the pieces be scattered. Do you remember that part? I do. Basically what she's saying, <clears throat> you know, you in the past have said, if I don't clean the toilets or if I don't vacuum the chlor vacuum the floors, it'll be, we'll be living in filth. Well, it's, and it's bigger than that. It's usually like, if I don't have this conversation, if I don't make this phone call, if I don't attend to this person. Right. I'm starting with the most shallow part of it. Great. And there's been times when I and other men, I remember you came in and talked about emotional labor to my men's group. And one of the guys is like, then just just, don't do it. Just stop doing it. Right. And I, I thought it was an interesting take of let the pieces be scattered. Like let the balls drop and see what happens. And I think that there is, and what you've said to me is that if I do that, it's going to be a shit show. Well, and let me back up because I I think you're remembering part of it, but Glennon said that. Mm-hmm. And then Amanda said, we can't really let that happen. Right. Because who gets hurt are the children. The and that would be like, it would make it difficult. Like every aspect of my life then would be, so can I tell the cheese story? Because I think it really helps. Um, sure. Okay, it's very quick. The cheese story is that when the kids were little, there was a certain kind of cheese that they liked in their lunches, and it was very special to them, and they liked it very much. And if they got that cheese in their lunch, they would eat their lunch, and then they'd come home and maybe get their own snack after school, and then they would be hungry for dinner and then take a bath and go to bed, and there was a fluidity. Todd would go to the grocery store and come home with a different cheese and say, this cheese is cheaper. It's the same. Don't worry about it. Just give it to them. So I would put it in their lunch. They wouldn't eat it because they didn't like it. Then they would come home at three o'clock and want a bigger snack because they were starving. Then they wouldn't want to eat dinner, which would cause a big problem. And then I didn't get bath time in on time. And then they go to bed late. Mm -hmm. The cheese had this interesting ripple effect where I kept saying to Todd, I understand you don't want to get this cheese because you want to save money and you don't think it's important, but this tiny little decision makes an impact on the rest of the day for me. Right. And so if you value me by just getting this certain cheese, mm-hmm. because then you're paying attention to how it affects all of us. Yeah. And I feel like that, you know, and again, that cheese story is a metaphor for a lot of things. Well, and that's that's where I want to get into because part of me wants to think that the cheese example is one of those examples where like there's a difference between finding a therapist for our kid who's struggling right. like that's not where you let the pieces get scattered right but i think that there's and i i would love to think of an example where i wish um the balls would drop and the pieces got scattered for something much less important right right and maybe we're doing that right now and we're blind to it because we're not consciously thinking yeah, about mean, it but yeah. my invitation um, and I can't say this enough, guys, if you listen to this one with Glennon and Abby, if you're anything like me, you're going to get super defensive. And then get once you do that, get really curious. And I guess this is my only offering to um, people out there that might want to always want to hold everything together so that everything works so perfectly. It would be like, can we just lean a little bit in certain circumstances towards letting 
everything fall apart. Okay, and and you and I talked about this last night. I get it, and I I'm not saying that your what you're offering isn't valid, but I think you view it as as and I'll just use me, yeah. so I don't have to use anything specific or gendered. You think I'm trying to be a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I think you could probably know from my personality, I'm pretty far from mm-hmm. it. I'm not trying to make things perfect. I'm trying to keep from having emotional explosions that I have to right. deal with. Right. So if people are in their bathroom and it's a mess and there's no toilet paper and there's nothing, you're like, let the pieces fall apart. That causes issues in the morning that cause a repercussion that cause, like if I don't buy certain things, that causes like lunches are not made. Then I have to go to the store later. Like pieces falling apart is not about because I'm trying to be a perfect parent. It's about trying to be organized enough so people have their needs met because even when their needs are met, stuff's going to happen. Yeah. You can't control everything. Right. Things are going to happen. So I think I sometimes think it's easy advice to say to people, just let things fall apart and see what happens. Are you going to have the same emotional experience I am? No. I don't think so. No. So I'm not just protecting them, yourself. Them. I'm protecting me. Your own energy, your so own ability I'm to... I'm like, I see where this is going and I can keep this from happening by buying a certain cheese. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, I'm being, you know, not being literal. Yeah. But if I can do A, B, and C, it decreases the odds of this happening. Right. And I think where I totally agree with everything you said and... um there's, uh, and, and like I said, maybe we're already discerning and we're letting certain things fall apart. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I would love to come up with an example right now, but I don't. But like, you know, like the toilet paper thing, like, you know, don't fill the girl's bathroom with toilet paper and let them. And there's times I don't. Right. Yeah. That's sometimes. And that's all I'm saying right. is like, can sure. you get curious sure. about how important is this versus, you know, cause like there's certain things you don't want any of the balls to drop. And there's others like, if they all drop, it's okay, because then the kid will learn something. And then it goes to the whole point where the kids are going to get learning examples as soon as they leave the house. So how much uh, how much do we want to force learning? And I we don't have time, but I told that story about Starbucks with one of our kids. Remember with yeah. the drive-through? And you're like, no, use your voice. I was, I'll say it real quick. At Starbucks, um, she I, I was in the driver's seat. I ordered what I wanted. She ordered what she wanted. The person in on the in Starbucks could not hear through the speaker, and she asked her to repeat it twice. And then my daughter said, "Can you just say it for me?" And I got into teaching mode. I said, "No, use your voice." And she was having a bad morning, and she lost it. Yeah. So then I said it for, like she melted down. Like yeah. it, she had a huge emotional response because she was already emotional that morning, which is another thing to pay attention to. So the reason I say that story is I need to do a better job of trusting my kids that when they ask for support, to give it to them and to stop teaching them something. And she did use her voice. She asked you for help. Right. And so when we're like, no, use your voice, talk to the Starbucks person. Are we more invested in making sure that this stranger that we don't know, like that we're versus our kid is using her voice and saying, can you help me with this? Because I did try and say it and they can't hear me and I don't have much of a voice. So will you say it? So they did use it. So it's just a interesting sometimes we're so solely focused on i'm going to teach this thing we're missing that we're we've already taught it yeah and they're showing us that they can they've done it completely blind to it blind i to literally it. said use your voice <laughs> after she used her voice to ask for help because yeah. that's what we do is like if you we need do. help ask for support she did that and i ignored it and i did not handle it well well and i, I know we're closing up here so i will say that this conversation that todd and i are having this is called relationship and lifelong building and they're not none of these conversations were like big arguments Mm -hmm. they were more like and this is why self-awareness is so essential and why understanding what you need and expressing it because i know that sometimes when i come to todd with things i have to be really thorough i'm not coming to him and saying you do this and you always do this and you need to stop doing this and i need this i don't do that I come to him and say, I've kind of looked at this from 12 different sides. And here's the thing that I think I'm not expressing well. And what I realize I need, even if it's there's a bit of an ego-based need. And the thing that you are doing, I see, but it's not landing. And so it's not about I'm right, he's wrong. And it's not about I'm going to win, he's going to lose. It's about like, there are things, it's really... um, it's so layered. And then we'll have, and so, and to everybody listening, we will have a similar conversation maybe with a different layer 
in the next couple months. Sure. This doesn't stop. Like for, so for those of you, Todd and I have been married 20 years and we know each other very well and we have a great deal of respect and history and dedication and loyalty and commitment. And there are still things because we live together that we're going to be like, do you see this about me? Do you understand this? Or I'm changing. Mm -hmm. Do you recognize how then this affects me in this stage of our life? You're never going to, to think that your partner, that you don't need to talk to them about your needs because you've been together a long time or because they should know. Yeah. That's a that's a complete misunderstanding. This is true with your family, with your best friends. You have to keep sharing or offering or creating conversations. That's how we grow and evolve. And that's why Todd and I can even share these conversations with you because they're so we we talk to them all the way through. Well, and, and it takes somebody who's willing to initiate it and it takes somebody who's willing to have these right. difficult conversations. Right. In a perfect world. I would bring it up if it's bothering me and Kathy would bring it up when it's bothering her and the other person can hold that space. Most of the time it's Kathy bringing it up. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I, and yes, I, that is true. And then I'm also appreciative that sometimes when I look at Todd and say, I don't think this is helpful, he is able to say, okay. On my good Because that is not easy. Yeah. Because that's not easy for me. If you were to look at me and say, you're not helping me right now, I'm sure I'd be like, what? Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying, you know, mm -hmm. and there is for someone to be able to go, okay. And then maybe later say to me, that was hurtful mm -hmm. or whatever. But in that moment with our kid, you're like, I'm going to handle this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's easy to get along with your partner when your partner is having a good day. Right. <laughs> try getting along with your partner when your partner is having a bad day. Or try to at least understand, like, because sometimes you need to stay a little bit apart. Like sometimes like we need to work through things on our own, like yeah. you said, but then come back together yeah. um, and then have a um, yacht rock um, party Wine on your party? front porch. We What did we call it? You called it a dance party, I, I, but we didn't dance at all. We had a dance party. We didn't dance at all, but we listened to music and, and we played had trivia. a glass of wine and played trivia, and it was so fun, and I needed it so bad. I needed it so bad, I woke up with a headache the next day. It happened. Because I was, like, having too much fun. So anyway, everybody, That's thank you. That's the name of that story. Yes. Um, don't forget, um, Kathy has a book called Zen Parenting. Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. Uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. Men Living, we create spaces for vulnerability and authenticity amongst men. ToddAdamsCoaching.com, one-on-one support, blah, 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 blah. That's it. Uh, oh, Team Zen. Don't forget about that. Hopefully uh, you guys check out Team Zen and sign up. All right, keep talking. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>